0: Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Well, man, are you the man? Are you the man our culture is asking you to be? Are you the man God's designed for you to be? You're one or the other probably this morning, and I hope we'll see today from Ephesians chapter 5. If you want to turn there, it's the basis of our text, not only for today, but for this series. Asking the question today, is there a man in the house? Last week we looked at marriage as a holy covenant before the Lord, and how if your marriage is more like an arrangement than a covenant, it's never too late to move from arrangement to covenant. do not matter if you've been married 15 minutes or 150 years. Never too late. But I want us today to look at this text in the context of where our culture is and where men find themselves today. 70% of of black uh, boys and 21% of Caucasian boys grow up in a home with no father. Uh, And instead of doctors and lawyers and Policemen, firefighters, those kind of folks are idols now, or athletes and entertainers and other lightweights. Sociologist Peter Carl says, since many boys grow up spending 80% of their time with women, they don't know how to act like a man when they're grown. There's a lot of truth to that. He said, as, goes on to say, as a result, they grow up living out the four, what he calls the four S's. The four S's are sophisticated, supportive, sensitive, and silent. And I fear that many men in our our culture are just those things, uh, sophisticated, supportive, sensitive, and silent because we've never seen a clear path forward from God's Word forward. our, Our only reference point is what we've seen in our culture, perhaps what we've seen in the home we grew up in. So I want us today to see through a different lens from God's Word today. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians 5, and we'll look at verses 21 to 30 together says in 21 to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy "...cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, people have never hated their own bodies, but they feed and care for them, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body." Now. There are some clearly defined roles in this text and the text we looked at last week from Genesis chapter 2 and 3. The clearly defined roles are, first of all, where there is mutual submission. First of all, is where there's mutual su- submission, look at verse 21 again, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The best way to see this and for me to describe it to you is much like a dance where the husband takes the first step. And the wife begins to follow that first and second and third and fourth and 24th step. Oftentimes, uh, if women try and lead a dance with their husband, they're going to get stepped on. Unintentionally, because most guys aren't very coordinated for the most part, but they're going to get stepped on because it's the husband's tendency and design to lead. And that's, so if you can see this as a dance where we're We're both heading in the same direction, but the husband takes the first step and becomes the initiator to those things in life. He says also in verse 21, to do this out of reverence for Christ, that we submit mutual submission to each other, out of not each other's worthiness or each other's goodness or even each other's rightness, but out of reverence to Christ is how and why we submit. To not do so is like the builder saying to the architect, no thanks. I got this. I'll, I'll build and design my own marriage in my own way that meets and suits my own needs. But our defined role is, is one, first of all, where there's mutual submission. Secondly, the next defined role is where the husband leads and loves. Where the husband leads and loves. Look at verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. Uh, verse 22 is, is, describes the husband here being the initiator, the catalyst, the spark. Uh, for most things in life whether it's a decision about career, about family about kids, about moving about those kind of things and the husband becomes the initiator that, to, that, to those decisions not that they're made in isolation of the wife but those things are initiated by the husband we'll talk more about that in just a minute uh, f- failure hear me guys failure is going to be uh, a common denominator among any leader I don't, I've, I've been in leadership all my life I've made a lot of bad decisions. I don't know any leader that I've talked to or ever come to know that's not experienced a healthy amount of failure. That's how you learn to lead. <laughs> you fail. But you're not afraid to try again. You're not afraid to get up and put the next, the next step forward. So if you're going to try and lead your home, you're going to fail. Wives, I understand your husbands are going to fail. They're not going to be perfect in the decisions they make. But guys, learn to accept this and move on. Don't let the enemy beat you up at failure. If you, if you, if you do, uh, allow that he'll will keep you in in a fog, he'll keep you in, in in a in a complacent, silent place. He'll keep you sophisticated, supportive, sensitive, and silent. But learn to initiate. Learn 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 that, that there are things past failure. Psalm seventy eight seventy two is a great verse. It's one of my life verses, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. It says this, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands. He led them. Your bottom line, man, and husbands and fathers is to lead with integrity. You're going to make mistakes. That's where the skill comes in. As I make mistakes and as I learn from my failures, my skills as a leader, as a dad, as a husband, get better because I learn from my failures and I don't allow them to continue over and over again to defeat me day after day, year after year. I learn to accept them and move on. But it's your responsibility to lead well and to love well. Thirdly, in these defined roles, not only where there's mutual submission, where the husband leads and loves, but thirdly, where the wife follows and fulfills. Look at verse 23, where the wife follows and fulfills, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Many times in many marriages, many wives say, I'll follow as long as, as long as he leads well, as long as he's not wrong as long as he does, does what, I, what I want or as long as he does what I say as long as he makes me happy as long as I'm fulfilled ladies you found none of that here in scripture you follow because that's the, that's the, this is the peace God's put in place in, in your marriage and, and in your world and in your family the peace God's put in, in place and defined for you to follow and, and fulfill now listen here, here's, here's the huge part of this equation men if you lead and love well you'll find somebody willing to follow and fulfill if you don't lead and love well, that's going to be a difficult task in most homes. But ladies, you're called to follow and fulfill. You may not, may not know all the nuances of how you're going to get to some place. In fact, most guys are big bigger picture kind of thinkers. They don't, they don't flesh out a lot, of, a lot of details. But even in not knowing the nuances of how you're going to get someplace, you'll get there together if you learn to follow and learn to fulfill. It's, uh, it's, and here's something else I've discovered, guys. <clears throat> Women don't mind a little mystery along the way, but they won't follow irresponsibility. So, if you'll be responsible and lead, even if you make mistakes, if you'll be responsible and make decisions and lead, they don't mind a little mystery. They don't mind a few unknowns, but they do mind irresponsibility because that's on you if you fail to lead. I, I, uh, Philip can attest to this, and my other son in law, Cody, can attest to this. When both of those boys asked me for their uh, my daughters, their permission to marry my daughter. I told both of them, <clears throat> I said, I've raised strong, independent, thinking daughters, and if you if you let them lead, they'll lead your entire life. They'll they'll lead your entire marriage. If you don't step up and lead, they will, and you may never get it back. So don't be afraid to step out and lead and make mistakes and and, and have some failures. Uh, that's that's these are the the design roles that, and defined roles that God has for us. Whether it's mutual submission where the husband leads and loves and where the wife follows and fulfills. So guys, how do we love? Well, how do we love? Well, look at verse 29. It says, after all people have never hated their own flesh, but they feed and care for them just as Christ does the church. We love well, first of all, as provider. That's what he talks about in verse 29 to love as provider uses the word feed here as a metaphor to say, Feed and sow, sow into your wife. Feed, feed your wife. Feed your life. Feed, feed your family. Uh, I, and I think, I, as I think about this, this context, I think of three areas that come to mind. First of all, is physical food. Uh, you, may not be, you may not be the, the lead breadwinner in, in your home. Your wife may more, make more money than you, and that's okay if she does. But it's still your job to initiate provision in your home, to make sure there's something to eat, to make sure there's shelter. To make sure that, that your family's cared for, that their practical needs are, are met, not only physically, but you're also to lead spiritually. You're, you're to initiate spiritual things. Is the scripture held to a high standard in your home? Do, do your kids know that you live by it? That it's not just something you visit some place you visit on Sunday, but it, it's, the, it's the guidebook, it's the leader. It's the defining element in your home that tells your family where to go. Is, is prayer a common? Uh, occurrence in your home. Have your ki- Do your kids regularly hear you pray? Do you pray at mealtime? Do you pray when, when there's crisis in, in place? Do you pray as a regular part of your, your home life? Is, is prayer the norm or is it the exception? Is church held to a high standard in your home? Is it important? Do your kids know that? Does your family know that? And when those things are important, scripture prayer, and prayer and gathering together as a group of believers, do you guard those things in your home? In other words, are those things priority in your home, or do they are are, are they just occurring as needed? If they're priority, they're going to occur on a regular basis. If they're as needed, your kids may ebb and flow with it. To decide eh, it's okay sometimes and not sometimes. But if, if if you if you're guarding against anything or anyone who's going to come against that, uh, you're going to be the spiritual guardian of your home, the way God's designed for you to be, not only physically and spiritually, but emotionally as well. Uh, learn to speak your wife's and your kid's love language as I've done marriage counseling with other couples, I've always referred them to Dr. Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages if you'll learn to speak your spouse's love language and your kid's love language they'll ne- their, their emotional tank will never go empty if you'll learn to speak that my wife's love language <clears throat> is acts of service Hannah's love language is acts of service my other daughter Kenzie's love language is quality time those five love languages by the way are words of affirmation Gifts, acts of service, physical touch, or quality time. Learn your spouse's love language and your kids' love language and learn to speak it consistently, and their emotional tank will never be empty. If you don't, your wife will seek to have that spoken to someplace else. Your daughters, your kids will seek to have that spoken to someplace else. Learn to speak it. Buy the book. It's worth it. Five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. uh, And learn to speak your spouse's love language, and, and they will learn yours as well. That's how you ensure that their emotional tank stays full. Not only to love well as provider, but secondly, to love well as a protector. As a protector, look at verse 29 again. The latter part says, and care for them just as Christ does the church. Care for them as Christ does the church. It was 1982, about 4 o'clock in the morning, my wife and I were in deep sleep. I hear <laughs> what sounds like a car or an explosion on the other side of the hallway in my house. I didn't own a gun at the time, <clears throat> but I did have a ball bat. My, my softball bag was under under my bed, and I get my bag out, get my softball bat out, and I'm heading down the across the hallway, the bedroom across the hallway, where I think the sound is coming from. I get there ready to beat someone in the head that sounds like they drove their car into the side of my house. And I find plaster falling from the ceiling, rain dripping from the plaster, and the plaster continuing to fall on a set of drums that was in 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 an extra storage room in my house, uh, Rod Collins' had a problem where his drums were and said, can I store them at your house and in your extra bedroom for a while, we did. So you can imagine at four o'clock in the morning, plaster falling from the ceiling hitting that drum set, knocking it in 15 different directions, and me going in there ready to beat up a drum set, you know, for, for, for all the sound and ruckus that I heard. But my, my instinct was to protect at that point. The only, the only weapon I had was a ball bat, but my instinct was to, was to get up and protect my home, to protect my wife, to protect uh, th- those things that God had entrusted me to protect. And that's exactly what he's talking about here when he says to care for, to, to nurture, to, to, make, to make sure that, that those in your family are protected by you. Guys, can I give you an insider secret? Can I tell you what every woman wants? is there a movie titled What Every Woman Wants? Anyway, never mind. Not, not, not an endorsement. I don't, I've never seen it. Let me tell you what everyone, every woman wants. Every woman wants security. Every woman wants that. Now, and it usually has less to do with money than you think. But every woman wants security. In fact, they long for it. They seek that from their father initially and seek that in marriage from you. And if you can give that to them as protector, you'll find uh, that you'll learn the needs, the joys, the challenges of your wife and family. When you become aware of those things, when you become engaged in those things, you'll have, you'll have loyal followers to your leadership at every turn. I promise you. We need to arm ourselves to protect against our families. I'm going to tell you, the enemy's coming after your marriage. He's coming after your family. He's attacking at every turn. You can see it in our culture. you probably already experienced it in your home to some degree one way or another. And it is intentional. It is by design that marriage is is trying to be redefined, that marriages are, are held in much lower esteem, that there's a mindset these days that, um, hey, if it doesn't work out, we just punt, kick it to the curb, and try something else or someone else. Uh, the, the, thankfully, these the, the statistics, according to my recent survey of this, uh, are changing. The divorce rate among non-believers is about 53 percent. That hasn't changed much. The divorce rate among believers was about the same, 53 percent. It's dropped to 49% in the last five years. I'm thrilled at that. That is an indicator that we're looking at the right things for the right reasons and to define these roles in the right way and do things God's way. Um, to love well is to, be, is to love us as a provider and as a protector. Men, if you want the armament to arm yourselves against the enemy, look at Ephesians chapter 6 there's the armament you need to do battle against the enemy he's coming at your marriage he's coming at you as as leader to to try and and dissuade you and defame you and uh, crumble you as he can that that, that kind of leadership what does it mean What, what what does loving well not mean what does it mean not to love well well loving your wife well doesn't mean she gets everything she wants It means you provide for the needs of your wife, the needs of your family, the need of those under your leadership. Loving your wife well doesn't mean you don't have a life. You need a little time for yourself, and you definitely need some time with other men to to pour into you, to sow into you, to hold you accountable to things. Loving your wife well doesn't mean you make her dependent on you. Uh, Don't smother her. But if if she feels secure... And, and protected and loved well as, as, as you provide for her and protect her, you're going to free her up to become the woman God's designed for her to be. If she feels smothered by you and controlled by you, you'll never experience that woman that God's designed for her to be. And that's the one you want to be married to. I'll tell you that. Loving your wife well doesn't mean you call all the shots. Answer the question of what is she better equipped to do than me? Let her do those things she's better equipped to do than me. Uh, not long after Leon and I were married, I was keeping the checkbook in our home. She discovered that it was okay with me if we were $3.75 out at the end of the month on our bank statement, and that wasn't okay with her. And I gladly said, there you go. And from that day till this, almost every month of our marriage, our checkbook bounces to the penny every month because she's obsessed about, I got to find that penny. Where where are we out? Yeah, and that's you know as long as we got enough money to pay our bills, I'm good with whatever, whatever the bank says our balance is. That, that that wouldn't cut it. So she's she's the bookkeeper in our home, and, and I'm I'm thankful and grateful that that she she is that. But learn learn what each other's strengths and weaknesses are and where the skills lie, and and, and learn to to invest and, and allow freedom for those kind of things to be lived out and put into place. If there were a test about How we can tell, how am I doing with this? How am I I doing as as leader and lover? How am I doing as as provider and protector? How how, how well am I loving? Let me ask you five questions, man, that will help you determine that. First is this. Who initiates spiritual growth in your home? Is it you or your wife? Who initiates the spiritual growth in your home? Second question is, who handles the money in your home? Not necessarily who, who keeps the books, but who makes those financial decisions? Those significant decisions. Third question is, who disciplines the children when you're both at home? Where does discipline come from? Fourth question is, who initiates talking about problems, about the future, about goals, about plans and dreams? Who initiates those things? Fifth question is, who asks the most questions and makes the most decisions in your home? Underlying all five questions is, who's the responsible party in your home? Because here's here's the truth. If three or four out of those five questions, the answers to were my wife, you're not leading and loving well. You're not providing well and protecting well. Your wife will do all those things, but she'll eventually resent you for it. Uh, in fact, if a woman is doing all all those things, and if you have kids, she has one more kid than you think she has. That's those things are designed. Those those leadership roles were designed by God for men to handle. And, and guys, if we're, if we're dropping the ball on that, there is nothing attractive about that. Uh, what is attractive to a woman is a husband that she can respect and a husband that she can feel secure with. And if you give her that kind of respect and security, you'll find a willing follower and fulfiller. Successful and godly marriages are not easy. They're just not in this culture. They're just not. Uh, Not in a culture where family is is constantly redefined and and trying to be revised on almost a weekly basis. Uh, Those successful and godly marriages will always require, often require, our changing our priorities and adjusting our priorities away from what I want and toward what is best for us. And probably even more importantly, what is best for you. Because what's best for you ends up being what's best for me instead of what I want. Successful godly marriages will definitely require time, and they're going to require some tenacity. We're going to have to require your, your saying, I will not allow the enemy, I will not allow our culture to suck up our marriage and redefine it. So as we, as we wrap up today, here's an obvious question that seems rather simplistic, but it's still obvious. Men, are you up to the challenge? Are you up to the challenge to become the husbands, the fathers, and the friends that God designed for you to be? Are you up to that challenge? It may require some priority readjustment on your part, but are you up to that challenge? In essence, is there a man in the house? Is that you at your house? Look at verses 15 and 16 in chapter 5. Or listen, if if you don't have your scripture with you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because, watch this, the days are evil. Don't live as, as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because these days we live in are evil. If if you are up to that challenge, man, you're going to face some tremendous opposition. Uh, That opposition is to keep you sophisticated, supportive, sensitive, and silent. If that looks like you, that's not who God's called and designed for you to be. He's designed for you to be the man that Ephesians chapter 5 says you're supposed to be in your home. Uh, you will need help with that along the way. You will need encouragement along the way. That's why you need to, to gather together with other men that are heading in the same direction, who want those same things. But re- revisit Ephesians five from time to time, and let the Holy Spirit tell you, "Is this who you are? Or is this what you, what you, what, Is this reality in your life? Or is, this, it is a dream concept for you? Is it something unreachable for you? or is this something you, you've learned how to put into practice, but you need some encouragement along the way. Let's pray father today would you remind every man in this room who's a husband or a father or both you have a sacred calling on our lives it's sacred because you've designed for men to stand and take a stand and lead we're going to blow it we're going to make mistakes there's going to be some carnage along along our path and that's all the enemy wants to have us look at and see but you would have us lead through the failures and around the failures and beyond the failures because failure is a, is a common occurrence because we're, we're broken people. We're going to mess up. We're going to do the wrong things and make wrong decisions. But the more we're walking with you and in tune with your word and the leadership of your spirit, the more right we are, the more right we find ourselves, the more we're in line with your, your, your design and your direction for us, we find ourselves. So give us today, stir in us again afresh today, become the men you you designed and called us to be, to be the men that you you that our wives would willingly lead, that we would lead and love, that they would willingly follow and fulfill, that we would provide that kind of leadership and direction in our home, the kind of men that that our kids would look up to to say that's the kind of husband I want if I'm a daughter, that's the kind of man I want to become if I'm a son. Teach us to be those kinds of men that are not afraid to. Take a stand around where other men are are knocking their wives down or knocking their families down or knocking church down or knocking the God down to be the men that will stand up and say listen let's let's find another conversation, let's find another direction to go. Help us to be be the kind of men that in, in the workplace will do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, not because we'll get noticed for it or praise for it. Help us to be the kind of men that you've called and designed for us to be inside." and outside each, each, each home that's represented in this room that you're calling on us. Those are your expectations for us. Those are your designs for us. And when we walk in them, we find blessing. We find fruit. When we get away from that, we find frustration. We find failure. find ourselves asking a lot of questions of what happened. What happened was I got away from God's design for me, and I handed that over to my wife. I just sulked back and became a wallflower in my home and let, it, let everybody else run the show. I don't have to get blamed that way. Give us the courage to be the men you've called us to be today, and then stir that up in us tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that, allowing not this culture to define who we are, but your word and your spirit day by day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.